Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Parasol Podcast on a Monday. We're going to get the coach Harvey Hyde on the show again, giving his thoughts because we haven't talked to him since the big news broke that USC and UCLA would be leaving the Pac-12 and going to the Big Ten. Not too much. It's been about a week and a half. Not too much has broke since then. We thought there might be a whole bunch more dominoes to fall. That hasn't happened yet. So we want to get Coach Harvey Hyde's thought thoughts on the traditions being lost, the revenue that can be gained, all that kind of stuff. So we'll get his thoughts on that. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com, to get all of his content. If you have any questions or comments for the show, please email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. We've got a bunch of emails to get to today, so thank you for sending those in. You can also call or text us at 424-254-9141. Leave a brief voicemail or send us a text. We'd love to read it or play it on the air. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, please follow us at the Parastel Podcast and leave us a five-star rating and review. Any kind of comments, feedback, suggestions you have, we'd love to hear from you and we'll read them on the air. We got one from uh, Chief Trojan this past week. He says it's the number one source for all things USC football and wrote, if you love USC Trojans football like I do, Ryaner's crew always bring the best, most up-to-date info needed to get your USC fix. I've been with them since 2003 and can say without a doubt, this is the best USC coverage around. Thank you guys for all of the long hours and hard work you put into your coverage. It's greatly appreciated. That's from Chief Trojan, this peristyle handle, USC Marshall MBA 2019. Well, thank you uh, for that one, Chief Trojan. That's great. We appreciate that. And thanks for the five-star review. And if you, you know, have some friends that are out there that like USC football, let them know about our show. It's been growing and growing every year. We've been doing this since 2008. And on the very first show, we had a man by, you know, we call him Coach Harvey Hyde because former coach. UNLV, other places, and he's on the line with us right now. Coach, how you doing, sir? Well, Ryan, I'm doing good. I'll tell you, I love that introduction, telling everybody how old we are. But we've been around for a long time, and it's been a great ride. I want you to know uh, we enjoy, I know you enjoy uh, football, USC Trojan football. Our listeners out there enjoy it. And it's great to hear someone write something that is positive, that at least uh, you might agree with us, you might not, but we love you have you aboard in the huddle. So again, thank you very much for those kind words. And Ryan, let's see if we can do it again. Yeah, we we'll keep uh, we we'll keep going. It's been it's been a long time since we started this, but it's been a lot of fun and uh, enjoyed the enjoyed the ride the entire time. And usually, there's some crazy crazy news that happens that we get to talk about. I don't know once a quarter, every other quarter, something like that. You know, two three times a year. Usually, we get something absolutely 
Crazy. The Lincoln Riley hire, completely out of blue. Crazy. No one thought that the USC would go swing that big and bring in a big name coach like that. We've been talking about going independent, joining a, a conference for quite a while, joining a different conference for quite a while, just with the you know the the revenue issues that the Pac-12 is facing. And if you want to try to be a nationally relevant program, that's something that we have talked about for years, it seems. And we haven't got to talk to you since the news broke that USC was going to join the Big Ten along with UCLA. I just want to give you the floor and kind of get your thoughts. They've they've heard my thoughts quite a bit. I've been on you know numerous shows and we did an emergency show and all that kind of stuff. But I want to get your overall thoughts so we can kind of break down some of the aspects of it, some of the lost traditions and what the new traditions could be, things like that. But overall, Coach, what were your what were your thoughts uh, when you heard about the news? Well, when I first heard about it, I was shocked, like everyone, and uh, couldn't believe it was happening. I think the conference commissioner couldn't believe it was happening. Uh, he was going to be a speaker at our Passing the Quarterback Club. And by the way, everyone out there, our Passing the Quarterback Club, Mike Bone is going to be our speaker in Pasadena at the University Club on September the day before, Friday before their opening game. That'd be September the 2nd. So if you'd love to come, go to our website, PassingTheQuarterbackClub.com, make a reservation and come on and listen to Mike talk. It's a great club in Pasadena. Brian, you come every year and almost every year. And uh, it'll be a good one. But uh, George K. was set to speak at that on the uh, 30th of September. And he called me and says, hey, coach, with the things that are going on, uh, I don't think I'll be able to make it. And I said, I don't know if you would be able to make it either. There might not be a Pac-12. And uh, I was shocked and he was shocked. And I think the world was shocked. He was on vacation when it happened. Uh, but as the dust settles, you always say as the dust settles, you always think of the negative things first, uh, like you mentioned, the lots of traditional rivalries, which not necessarily will be the case. And you look at the financial picture of the future of college athletics and the NIL and all the different things that are happening, and you look at the billions of dollars that the NFL is making under their format, and paying players $20 million a year, $200 million contract, you say, well, if you don't do something in college athletics, uh, you're going to be left behind, and what's going to happen? So USC uh, takes a step, makes the contacts with whoever is the one making the calls in the Big Ten or television or together, and says, we'd like to have you if you want to come, bring UCLA along. So UCLA gets in the caboose, and they go along and get the dollars too, and all of a sudden the Big Ten and television and Fox has the entire West Coast as far as Southern California. And you look at the future and you say, what are the dollars and why? And you say, it's necessary. And you say, look at the Pac-12 network, and you say, I see why. You look at what's happened to the Pac-12 as far as respect and television and the output as far as results and so on. It is the supposed conference of Olympic sports, which is great, but that doesn't pay the bills. And you're not dropping those sports. You're giving them a little bit more exposure to and maybe giving them more additional revenue they need. And uh, you say, okay, it's good because you look at that with this, and my feelings, and this is only my opinion, I don't know if this is going to happen, but there's going to be a commissioner that's going to separate away from the NCAA. They're going to have their own 
uh, office, conference office that uh, will stipulate it all. They have two years to put it together with a lot of thought, and they've given it. They've always wanted this 16-team playoff, which they'll now get in two years. They will have a, like the AFC, NFC, they'll have a, a West and an East, like the Big Ten to Southeast Conference. And they'll break that up into divisions, the West Division, the East Division, the Rocky Division, whatever, maybe four divisions in each uh, conference or whatever they're going to call themselves. They'll play games within that region as far as so they don't have to travel as far. And uh, then occasionally in the contract, it'll say every two years or three years, Ohio State has to visit the West Coast, SC has to visit the East Coast, whatever, vice versa, to get the national exposure. And uh, they're going to go to the bank, uh, sing all the way to the bank and make a lot of money. Then down the road, we're going to be paying for that, like we pay for the NFL special package that we get if you like to watch all of the college or NFL games and so on. Like when the Rose Bowl went from ABC and the college game of the week went from ABC to ESPN and so on, that's going to happen. And we're all going to be paying 250 a year for the college football playoff package. If you want to see the package, which would be probably 16 teams, probably the first uh, two games will be at the home stadiums of the teams that draw the best so people won't have to travel as much. And uh, that'll be the package. That's where the dollars will come from. They'll still have their semifinal games, two semifinal games, like they have the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship game. Those will be in different locations, either at the Rose Bowl or Orange Bowl or whatever. And then they'll have the Rose Bowl game and the other bowl games that don't get those teams that are teams that uh, should be in bowl games. So this is what I see as the future uh, in some form of that. And uh, we have to all adjust to it. And uh, in a way... I've always said the face of the Pac-12, I've said this for years, is USC. John McKay said in 19, in the 60s, he says we should go independent like Notre Dame goes. Why should we share our revenue with sharing of revenue in the Pac-12 with everybody, as they put in recently with Pat Hayden's administration, where you paid Notre Dame $12 million to be on national TV with them, Washington place, Washington State plays Eastern Washington, and on the same Saturday they get a million dollars, and SC only gets a million dollars. Now, does that seem fair? No, but that's what the current situation was, and it's going to be changed. And again, the Pac-12 never came to defense or Larry Scott to USC when the sanctions came up, and this is the face of their program, USC. They didn't defend USC in this. They ran and hid and said, oh, this is our chance of getting even now. They've dominated in football. Maybe we can catch up. So now they can find their way to whatever they're going to do now. Well, there's a Period. lot there. Yeah, Coach, a lot there. Um, I mean, I, yeah, we haven't talked to you since this happened, so it's good to kind of get you know, kind of touch on some of the different aspects of it. And if you don't know, uh, USC joined the Pacific Coast Conference in 1922, so 100 years ago. Um, that league eventually became, you know, the Pac-8 and the Pac-10 uh, and then the Pac-12. And now, of course, USC is moving on to the uh, the Big Ten. I think UCLA joined it 
1928, so a few years later. So they've both been around, you know, around 100 years. And so, you know, in this conference, and I know you're very close to the Rose Bowl. And I believe USC went to 34 and UCLA right. is like 12. Right. Um, it's like 46% of the Rose Bowls have had USC or UCLA in them. I mean, it's a lot. Like USC has been more than a third of them, right? Like, so USC has been a big part of that. I think USC can still be a part of the Rose Bowl going forward. But I think we knew all along that some of these traditions are going to change. With the playoffs, I know the Rose Bowl was hanging on, you know, to always be January 1st, to always have Pac-10, Big 10. Uh, if anything, that's going to change that. And it, it actually, I think, in my opinion, Coach, it might help the Rose Bowl sort of adapt to this new landscape in college football because it's definitely changing. Well, I agree with you, Ryan. I, I'll tell you, uh, uh, the Rose Bowl is still the highest-rated bowl game of all the bowl games, okay, including the semifinal championship games this past year as far as the viewing audience. Uh, the championship game, obviously, is is more. So the Rose Bowl is not going to go away. The Rose Bowl is going to be there. And they like the date of January the 1st at 2 o'clock kickoff as far as with the Tournament of Roses Parade and so on. So it's not going to go away. They've been loyal 100 years to college football. So administrators recognize that. And I'm sure they do. So how would you like this type of lineup? At 10 o'clock, you have the first semi-championship football game. Then at 2 o'clock, you have the Rose Bowl game. And then at 6 p.m., you have the the next uh, uh, semifinal championship football game. They've always wanted to play these semi-games, semifinal games on New Year's Day. So now what you have, they've been playing them New Year's Eve, which they don't like. Now you have the college football games three in a row that you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to watch the best college football teams in the country and games play. So they have other formats that they can utilize and utilize the Rose Bowl, and they'll figure out a good pairing there, five or six or whoever it's going to be to be in that game, to have it happen, which would be really great. So the Rose Bowl, yes, they're going to have to be structured, and uh, we'll see what's going to happen with the Rose Bowl. But it'll always be a great game, and it'll always be a traditional place that people maybe uh, who have never would have had a chance to go to the Rose Bowl We'll have that opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl and play, and it might be better for the Rose Bowl and the Tournament of Roses because people will be coming to the West Coast that knows it's the final game. They don't have to go to a championship game. This is my big trip of the year. Uh, Taking the parade, taking the game, and then go home and watch a national championship game at home because they don't have to worry about another ticket to go somewhere else. So there's a lot of positives, and there are negatives, guys. Whenever you have change, there's always negatives. What ifs, what if that, what? But they have two years to do this. So there's a lot of thought going into all of this, and I hope that the proper people with the Tournament of Roses and the Rose Bowl, and as you mentioned earlier, the Rose Bowl, I have a dear love for that. I'm on a lot of different committees there, and uh, and uh, the Hall of Fame committee, which I've been on, and People always say when we're in the committee, oh, we can't put another SC in the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. And I said, wait a minute. As you said, Ryan, they played in more games than anybody else. Why wouldn't they have as many players in there more than anybody else? So that's part of the deal. So the Rose Bowl I am very protective of, and I think the college football tradition will be protective of it also. It's America's stadium, and uh, that's how I feel there. Where do you fall? Because I've done a lot of 
radio interviews and one of the questions I get asked a lot is about the travel, not just for the football team. You know, there's going to be, you know, five trips to the Midwest essentially every year, right? If you're going to include Notre Dame, um, you know, five trips that are significant road games every year. Uh, what What are your thoughts on travel, not just for football, but for the Olympic sports as well? Well, I think they're going to be divisions uh, where you play in the divisions within the, like I mentioned, uh, the Big Ten and Southeastern Conference. I think there's going to be more travel, but I think in some of the Olympic sports, they'll figure out a schedule where they within the divisions, they might play each other more than twice to cut down in that travel uh, to save money and save time on the road. And I think that they'll probably go on the road and play four games rather than two games and uh, take their academic advisors with them. And, and instead of playing a two-game weekend, they'll play a, a Friday, uh, Saturday, and a Monday, Tuesday, or whatever. Then return, and then the next week, they'll be at home, and they have no travel. They'll be the way they figure it out, where it's fair, and yes, there'll be more travel, there'll be more income, and there'll be more dollars for them to have a better program. So... Uh, you got like I say, you give a little bit to get a lot, and uh, I think that uh, it's been put into a position now with the NIL and everything that's going on that there's going to have to be a lot of changes in college athletics. It started with Oregon, and I think personally between you and I, I think everybody's mad at Oregon. That's why they're making them wait because they started this uh, – this warfare with facility warfare that everybody had to start in 15 different uniforms and 20 different uniforms and everybody had to catch up with what Oregon was building and so on. So that started this whole thing. So uh, we'll see what happens with Oregon and Washington and Sanford, Cal and so on. But uh, they'll find a place to, to put their house on a foundation somewhere. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, I was going to ask you about the, the overall Pac-12 health Next, um, you know, you talked to George Klyafov. I like him from when I've met him. Um, yeah, I was supposed to do an interview with him, too. I don't think that's going to be happening. We'll talk to him at Pac-12 Media Day, which should be pretty interesting. Um, but, you know, the Pac-12 did announce that they would, they're, they're looking to expand. They also announced that they were going to open that window to start their media rights negotiations, um, you know, going forward. So they're to me, it seemed like George Klyovkov was trying to. It, it's essentially you suffered like a, a terrible wound, and you're trying to stabilize the patient. You're trying to stop the bleeding, and then kind of reassess. You want the Pac-12 to get somewhat stable, and then be able to figure out the next course of action. You know, knowing that you're losing USC and UCLA, you know, terrible blow. It could be something that kills the conference. And he's trying whatever he can do to not have that be the case. He wants the conference to live. He wants it to thrive and grow. And I think we saw the Big the Big 12 in a very similar situation a year ago. Um, they were left for dead. Bob Bowlesley, who's the, the commissioner at the time, that you know, they have a new guy taking over, but he, you know, did whatever he could to stabilize the Big 12. And you could argue like those are the only moves you could make, whatever, but it's a much more stable conference now. And George Klyovkov is trying to get the Pac-12 to be in that spot a year from now. The road looks a little tougher. I think it's harder to use USC and UCLA if you're the Pac-12 than it would be for Oklahoma to lose Texas and, and uh, I mean, for the Big 12 to lose Texas and Oklahoma. 
Uh, but what are your thoughts on where the Pac-12 can go? Can they, can Do you feel the Pac-12 can keep the schools they have left, the 10 schools together, because the Big 12 is coming after the Arizona schools in, in Utah and Colorado? We know Oregon and, and Washington are big brands that you know the Big 10 could take, any other conference could take, the Big 12. Heck, the ACC, the SEC, you know, they're they're out there looking. Um, do you think George Klyovkov can keep them together, Coach? And and what do you think the future of the Pac-12 is? Well, I think he's had a lot as far as a commissioner. And uh, I, I put it, I'll put it to you this way: they're getting rid of the pretenders. You either uh, you want football, you want to go big time. Don't be a pretender. Don't be happy just winning six games every year. Uh, you know, we don't want those guys. And they're not going to take guys into the Big 12 or the Big 10 that don't bring in the amount of money that they're willing to give them. Like when they brought SC and UCLA in, and they're going to get $100 million a year or whatever it is, well, they're going to get $100 million a year plus from television because they're in Los Angeles. So they're not going to you know, really go after Stanford or Cal, but they're not going to bring that kind of money into the conference. Is Washington State going to bring that type of money in? Is Oregon State going to bring that type of money in as far as their geographical location? No, I don't think so. So I don't think they'll be invited. You're not going to invite anybody to join you unless you can at least bring what you have to get back. You break even. Then they'll do that, but they won't any other way. Now, if you're Washington or Oregon, would you stay with the Pac-12 if you're invited to go to the the Big 12 or the or the Big 10? I don't think so. So it's going to be a difficult job. So I think there's a lot of negotiation going on between that side of it and also with Thompson, the commissioner of the Mountain West Conference. Uh, I don't like to throw stats out, but last year the Mountain West Conference was 5-0 and against the Pac-12, okay? Went, or went 5-0 and in bowl games. And I'm not sure if they went 5-0 and against the Pac-12 or not. But they won a lot of games. So with Boise State and those schools that are in there, San Diego State, Fresno State, will they be a part of the Mountain West Conference? Or maybe will they be invited to go to the Pac-12? So you have San Diego and maybe maybe Las Vegas' area, UNLV. I don't know. What can they bring to the Pac-12 or the Pac-12 and get a television package? They're not going to be any good unless you get a television package where people, you bring viewers. So who's going to bring the Pac-12 viewers? So that's what George has to go after. Who's going to bring them viewers? Is it Boise? That's not a big area as far as viewers. Washington State? There's not many people there. Oregon State? No. So, yeah, he'll probably keep Washington State, and they can keep Oregon State, but Oregon and Washington want to go. San Diego, maybe that's the only school down there. They'll keep that area, and San Diego State will go to the Pac-12 right now. But, you know, San Diego State beat Arizona last year, and I think they beat somebody else in the in the Pac-12 last year. And So, uh, I don't know. They might go Fresno State. How about Fresno State? They're a pretty good football team. Uh, but, again, uh, the area, geographical location, how many people are there viewing audience, uh, how much money does that bring to television? So it's all how much money you can bring to television. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. 
I wouldn't be, be a bit surprised to see the Pac-12 and Mountain West Conference merge and take who they can from somewhere else to, to try to make that happen. But, of course, I don't know, Ryan. On that side of it, I don't know. But I know the teams that won't want to be in that, and that's Washington and Oregon. Yeah, that's. Um, I, I feel like Notre Dame's the big one, right? We got to see what happens with Notre Dame, and then at that point, maybe we'll find out what's happened with Oregon and Washington. The fact that USC and UCLA came, I think some people thought Oregon and Washington would join right after, but if they really wanted them, it would have happened. Uh, you know, I think all at once. So we'll we'll keep our tab, you know, keep tabs on what's going to happen with uh, the rest of the Pac-12, and of course USC. Going forward, but yeah, it's a crazy, crazy time in college football right now. Oh, it is. It is. When you look at it, Notre Dame is key because Notre Dame is checking out what their television package is as far as with NBC. It's, should they stay independent? But again, if I'm uh, the Southeastern Conference Commissioner or the Big Ten Commissioner, I say to them, well, fine, go to the stay independent, but uh, we're not going to play any of you in any other sports, and we may not play you in the football. What are they going to say then? Who are they going to play? Uh, are they going to go into the ACC? Maybe they should have gone into the ACC a couple of years ago when they uh, put all their teams in there, and that's where their teams play as far as minor league uh, other than football. ACC. Well, does the ACC want them? Uh, do they want to go in there? They're not sure because the Southeastern Conference is probably going to go after Florida State because they got Florida. So why wouldn't they want that rivalry and have the state of Florida involved in the Southeastern Conference? And why not bring why not bring Clemson in? They got Georgia. That's a great rivalry. Bring Clemson in. So what's going to happen to the ACC now? You've got to look at that. Uh, where are they? Or are they going to merge maybe with the Pac-12? So there's so many things that could possibly happen still uh, because you've got the pretenders and you've got the ones that want to go after it, the ones that are going to bring te- television revenue and the ones that aren't going to. Now, North Carolina's got a great football program and with Matt Gumbin. Are they going to bring their money to it? How much money are they going to bring to them? Are they going to bring them in because they're going to bring enough revenue to pay their way? Why bring and split the pot with somebody who's not going to bring in as much money that – Everyone else is bringing in. So what's going to happen to those programs? What's going to happen to Army, Navy, Air Force, uh, Duke, North Carolina? What's going to happen with those programs? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we will. Um, North Carolina will be fine. they got a lot of tradition. They, they make money in football, and they got a huge basketball tradition. Um, Who? North, North Carolina. Carolina. North Carolina will be fine. I mean, if you're a big brand, if you're Clemson, Miami, Florida State, now you're kind of locked into that grant of rights deal for till thirty thirty six. Um, so they would need that contract to get ripped up, or someone. Apparently, it's pretty tough to fight in courts. Um, but if you're Oregon, Washington, like you're going to end up being fine. If you're Washington State or Oregon State, you're basically you're you're just adrift uh, on the ocean hoping to bump into an island, you know, like you just don't, you, there's, you don't really have any control of what's going on. Um, so yeah, those big, those smaller brands, like you talked about coach, if you're a smaller brand in the big 10, you're pretty safe. You're a smaller brand in the, in the sec, you're pretty safe. Now at some point you might get kicked out or relegated, but if you're a smaller brand in a conference, that's not locked into a long deal like the ACC. So the, the, you know, it's basically the PAC 12 is where you got to worry. 
I think the Big 12 doesn't have big brands right now, but they have stability. So that's good. I don't think they're getting rid of anybody. But if you're, you know, smaller smaller schools in the Pac-12, yeah, it's going to be a little tougher. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and, and get some some questions. So back in a minute. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle podcast talking all things USC Trojan football. I want to get to some questions, and we got a few. Hey, Ryan, before you get to some questions, oh, yeah. let me ask you this, because there's been a lot of discussion on what's going to happen with the NIL and, and scholarships and, and so on. And, you know, I like to always think, and if I was an administrator or if I was a head coach or an AD or a commissioner, what I, how I'd handle that. Let me just tell you my thoughts on that, okay? Okay. Right now, I think it's great these guys are making all this money, and there was a big article in the Times yesterday as far as how much money Caleb Williams has got, and he's got a marketing company, he's doing this and he's doing that. Fabulous. Fabulous for the kid. He's in. Uh, he's thinking ahead. He wants long-term planning, and he's saying he's not going to interfere with his football. He's got a great staff together. That's fine. And how many of those guys are you going to have on each team? I don't know. Five, six, seven, whatever, ten. If you have a great, a lot of great players, uh, good. My feeling is, if you're working, and that's what I call working, when you have that, then my feeling is uh, you don't go on scholarship. My feeling is you pay for everything. You pay for your tuition, you pay for your room, you pay for your dorm, your meals, your counseling, your tuition, your training room, uh, every single thing you pay for, your airplane seat, uh, when you fly in the plane, you pay for your hotel room on the road. Why? You've elected to do that and not be on scholarship. That's fine. Good. Go for it. Make a million dollars a year, whatever you can. But you're an employee now. You've got your own little company and where you're school that you decided to go to, where you had to go to, to as far as Excel, to be able to show off and be in the NFL and be a first-round draft choice and all of that. That's great. But what about the guys that aren't? 
Well, I think they should be on full scholarship and receive all the benefits that they're supposed to receive, and they don't pay anything because they're not working. They're part of the university. They're on an academic scholarship as well as an athletic scholarship. I think this is the only way you're going to be able to have a little good team morale, not that people aren't envious of other players, but, you know, it's not quite the same. So that the players that are not working NIL, well, they're, they're full boat, everything, plus a little change on the side, which I think they're going to get now. But the guys that are doing NIL, you pay for everything, because you've decided to do that. So you make your money, but you pay for everything that you're entitled to as far as with the team. And I think that would somewhat balance out the feeling of, of well, I can't make enough money doing this, so I'm not going to do this. I'm going to be a scholarship athlete. And there'll be always the players out there that can make that much money or more money. But why should they make two, three million dollars a year and be on scholarship? Why? I don't think that's right for the university and for the other teammates to do that. So I'm saying make ten million a year if you can. That's great, but you're going to pay for all the amenities that we supply you. That's my thought. Very interesting, Coach. I don't think that would go over very well. Very controversial. Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it? Well, because they these players make so much. Caleb Williams is going to bring in a ton of money for USC. Good. So just because he's making Good. his own money, why wouldn't it benefit USC to pay for his scholarship and, and all of that stuff? Like I I don't, I don't want Caleb Williams paying for his plane ride to go to Notre Dame. I want him. I want to take care of him because he's the quarterback of USC and he's going to bring championships and, and make a lot of money for the school. Well, he could still go to school there. He's coming there because he wins and it's the best coaching staff. And he even said in a newspaper article, it didn't make sense for him not to come and play for Lincoln Riley, right? So, and he's been saying it. I'm just saying, let him be unlimited. It's just a way of handling it. He's not going to not go and play. He's going to play. He's going to have all the same amenities that he would have had if he's on scholarship, except he doesn't need it. He's going to make that type of money. That's just my idea. You know what I mean? He's not going to not, hell, let him fly in his own Learjet. I don't give a damn. But the point of it is, I think that you've got to have some control on just what's going on. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's get to some of these questions. We have Jake wrote in and said, hey, Ryan, a lot of us are really eager to learn more about our new conference. In the podcast of Champions, you bring on uh, 247 sports writers from different Pac-12 schools to tell us about their upcoming year. Is it possible to do something like that with each Big Ten school uh, as a segment for the podcast? He says topics would include which pregame traditions do fans have, like kicking our flagpole, which conference teams do the fans currently like and hate the most, uh, what are some false rumors or sensitive topics to be cautious about when talking to a fan, example, cheating with Reggie Bush for USC, what are their fans more, most proud of, and then plus general history and status of the D1, their D1 teams would be cool. Thanks, Jake. Um yeah, I mean, I guess starting in 2024, I think that's something that we would, we're, I'm sure we'll do a lot of that, like kind of introducing USC fans to a whole bunch of new traditions and teams and programs, a whole new schedule. That's going to be crazy. That, that offseason will be a busy one, Jake. And I'm sure we're going to do a lot of that where I'll talk to experts from each program, you know, all, of, I guess we'll do 14 others. You probably don't need to hear from UCLA because you know them. Uh, but if it ends up being 16 teams in the Big Ten, I think that's a good idea, Coach. But that, it brings up a good point, like, there's going to be a whole lot of new things for fans to kind of learn about a bunch of new programs that they really haven't followed that closely. It will, and it will bring a lot more interest to the conference, too, as far as being able to 
see Wisconsin and see a Michigan in the Coliseum and to see some of the teams in the Coliseum that they haven't seen before. And I don't think they're going to miss out on some of the rivalries. I think that in their schedule, if Stanford and Cal are not in uh, the Big Ten, uh, I think there'll be non-conference games. Those have been there for a long time. And let me even go farther. I really think that in the divisions on where this goes with the NFL format of what college football is all going to be, I think the non-conference games now will be uh, treated as exhibition games. Will not be treated against them as far as qualifying for the playoffs or as they do in the NFL. It'll be a time for them to play a lot of these people that aren't in their conferences and uh, and uh, keep some of the traditions plus play some of the other teams that maybe want to make a little revenue to play for them, but it won't count as far as the power ratings and the different things they do now. That way, when you play each other, those games all mean a lot. So a team could lose their first three games and come into the conference play and still be a qualifier as far as going to the playoffs. So it brings a lot more to college football. Yeah. Uh, we had an email from Arizona Jack. He actually wrote in last week, um, you know, not really liking some of the traditions that were being lost. And he said, uh, he wanted to follow up with that. He said, it's not a case of me not loving USC football. I've been a loyal fan for over 60 years. I do remember student body right and student body left of John McKay. I do wish the very best for the current team school administration. I'll remain a loyal fan, even in their new endeavor. But at the same time, I love the Pac-12. I simply believe that USC should have given George Klyovkov enough time to work his entertainment magic. Please read Dan Wetzel's July 6th writing on Yahoo Sports about saving the Pac-12. I pray that George Klyovkov can work magic and save what remains of this conference, maybe even expand it somewhat. Thanks, and keep up the awesome show from Arizona, Jack. Yeah, we're, I think we're all, you know, no one's, like, happy that the Pac-12 is going to cease to exist the way we know it, and I, I hope it continues to, to thrive. It's just going to be really tough without your marquee schools. And I, I don't think, I think USC and UCLA were probably taken for granted coach a lot of the way. And, you know, Mike bone, you know, realized that and was like, look, we bring a lot of value to this conference. You know, the, at least a third of the television deal is because of USC. And when you're getting a 12th, that's not, that doesn't, the math doesn't add up. So I get why USC would, I think every, every AD in the conference would, but it also, I'm not happy that what's happening in the Pac-12 because, yeah, it's it's it sucks to kind of see it being broken up like this. Well, I agree with you. I agree 100%. I, I hate to see the Pac-12. I've grown up with the Pac-12, and Mike, you mentioned Pac-8, 10, 12, and the associations with the Arizona schools coming in. And as the uh, actual Pac-12 expanded, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think it's uh, SC, USC. Now, I'm not talking about UCLA. Uh, but USC has never been given the respect that I think that does, that they deserve, as far as being the face of the Pac-12. And uh, uh, this moment was going to come, just matter of moment. Uh, I'm surprised it took so long. Uh, I, like I mentioned earlier, they weren't treated wide, right, by the commissioner or by anybody. Just by the past commissioner, I can't say George Gaydon. But the... Uh, the popularity, the tradition of USC football and so on was uh, demising. It was going away. Uh, uh, it was going away because of not being dominant, like we mentioned a minute ago, 28 pitch. And those plays that everybody knew about, people were 
not afraid to come to the Coliseum and play USC. Uh, they used to be scared to death to come and play in the Coliseum, but it was just a matter of survival. I think those days uh, lowered the prestige of USC Trojan football. And I think the administration at USC allowed it to go on too long. And there were some terrible mistakes made there as far as not fighting the NCAA when those sanctions did come down. I think they're far too harsh. And uh, I think a lot of the alumni became disheartened with a lot of things that were happening on campus and around USC. So something had to be done to stimulate the interest. And uh, I think this has brought a lot of talk with the hiring of Lincoln Riley. And I think people are excited now somewhat about college football in Southern California because it's not like it used to be in the 60s any longer. You got the Rams, you got the Chargers, got SoFi, you got all these pro teams in town, you got soccer about 10 minutes or five minutes away from your campus. You got a lot of, a lot of attractions that you have to compete with. And USC can do that by dominating with your stars. You're marketing USC. You're marketing what's going on. Now, UCLA, I'm not quite sure what they're doing there right now. Nothing against UCLA people. But when you open against Bowling Green, Alabama State, or whatever it is, and South Alabama, I'm not even sure the names of the schools, is that justing? Is that football? Is that what UCLA football is? That's not what it's all about got to get out there in, in L.A.? How many people are going to be interested with that? And, you know, I've talked to Martin Jarman about that. And, uh, you know, there's other reasons that happened. Michigan dropped out of a schedule. Michigan was supposed to play UCLA this year at the, at the Rose Bowl, but they dropped out. Okay, I understand all that. But you've got to be able to be in the limelight in Southern California to compete. I'm going to tell you that right now. And you got to win to be in Southern California right now. Because if you're not a winner in Southern California, not dominate, people aren't interested. So uh, the Trojans, I think, understand that. And I think they've talked to a lot of different people that uh, have told them that, alumni, as far as a lot of the uh, other things. I think they've got to bring their alumni players back into the program, which aren't there. At the Salute to Troy, I think they had about 11 players off the national championship team of 1972. What does that say? So I'm just trying to say you need everybody around. You need everybody to be a part of it on the sidelines around so people see all the support and the people, the great players of the past, and all of that to be back into the contest, back into what you're talking about. And I think it can happen. But everybody's got to be tugging on the road, a rope the same way, starting with the president, the trustees, the whole pack. They say, hey, when we have great football teams, our enrollment is good, but our enrollment will even get better. And I think we've got to start allowing alumni, uh, grandchildren who have good 4.0 great, great points, be able to go back to USC and be a part of their student body there. And uh, uh, not saying letting anybody in like, you know, the things that have gone on, but I'm saying qualified people that can get in should get in and there should be a spot for them always. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got one last one from Gary in Newport beach. He said, just want to say it was disappointing, disappointing hearing USC fans weren't all on board uh, with the move to the big 10. I guess they're all suffering from Stockholm syndrome. The PAC 12 has treated USC like crap. He said a different word going back to the Reggie Bush sanctions. Something coach just talked about. 
when the conference never said a word about the outrageous treatment USC got from the NC2A. The rest of the Pac-12 figured it was a good opportunity to knock USC off its pedestal and pick off West Coast talent while USC reeled from sanctions and cancerous leadership throughout, especially Oregon, which has been the biggest beneficiary of USC's inexplicable befuddlement. Larry Scott's misguided view of the Pac-12 uh, that Pac-12 teams should all be equal instead of promoting the, quote, brands was the death nail. I have no love lost for the Pac-12 and good riddance. UCLA will never admit it, but they just dodged a fatal bullet, bullet heading right for their football program, and they only have USC to thank. It's now payback for the Pac-12's short-sighted power grab at SC's expense, and I expect to see some recent Oregon commits doing some soul-searching right about now. What do you think? Great show and fight on, Gary in Newport. Well, Gary, we talked a little about that, and I agree with you 100%. Uh, I don't think that, uh, you know, when the sanctions came in, like I mentioned, it was a way that everybody else in the Pac-12 thought it was a way to, you know, get back at USC rather than keep USC the face of the program and support them. And uh, I just... Uh, I feel sorry for the Pac-12. I feel sorry for those other universities and so on. But here's what I look at. I look at why is it in this state? Well, you hired a a commissioner that was a tennis producer, television guy, okay? No experience. I don't know if he'd ever been to a Rose Bowl game or a football game in the Pac-12. There's got to be someone who's assistant commissioner or another commissioner from another conference or something that could come in and do this. So what does that responsibility lie? Well, the president, whoever the interviewing committee was, approved that. So he comes in, and we notice as far as a, on the media side, the difference as far as what's going on, because we've talked about it for 10 years, or I have anyway. I've told him, write me a letter, find me, do whatever you have to do when I speak uh, poorly about certain things. And things were going right. Then they renew his contract. And I say, what? Well, you've been happy with everything that's going on? So you look at the administrators again, and you say, what's going on? He's paying, what, $7,300 a night for a suite at the hotel for the Pac-12 basketball tournament? My God, what's he doing? Isn't there some limit on his expense account? I think one year, I forget what it was, flying around the country in Learjets. Who is in control? Well, that's the administration's uh, responsibility or whoever's. He works for somebody, I think. And then uh, the last time uh, when they voted, uh, before they hired George K, they were going to vote to have him back again before George K came in. And then the way I understand it now, they reversed the vote. Someone convinced him to reverse the vote. And then, of course, Larry Scott resigned. And George came in. Well, it's too late then. You know, the termites have eaten away everything to... The foundation is ready to fall. The building's going to fall. It's over with. But who allowed it to go that long? Same thing like I talk about USC Trojan football. What happened? The year before, they keep Clay Helton around. They could have done the same move with Lincoln Riley a year earlier just to keep him around to fire him the second game of the year. Why? Well, you're going to pay him the same amount of money. 
if he wasn't good enough, get rid of him a year earlier so that you could have recovered a year earlier and been back and rolling again. So, you know, they fire him, and then uh, Dante uh, Williams is the head coach for 10 games or whatever, and nobody wants to play, and they play the last game of the year, Cal, and nobody wants to play, and nobody wants to go to the games and all this and that. Why does that happen? These are the things to look back on, on why USC's Trojan football program and university currently and the Pac-12 is where it is. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of blame to go around. I mean, Larry Scott starts at the top, but the presidents enabled him. You know, you got like guys like Michael Crow at Arizona State that really championed for him and got him that extension and really put the Pac-12 in a terrible spot. But probably of all the presidents, Michael Crow's done the worst job. He did an interview. I think Chris Cartman from 247 shared it like three years ago when they're talking about the disparity between the, the revenue. And he said, just wait, wait till the, the new deal comes out. You're going to see the Pac-12 passing everybody. And it's completely been the opposite. The Pac-12 got passed. So it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of blame to go around. Um, and uh, the presidents and, and Larry Scott, I think, are, are right at the top. <laughs> Yeah, I would say that, but it always starts at the top. Yeah. And somehow it's shoved down to the others uh, down below. The, the sergeants, you know, the sergeants are the ones that eat it because they're on the front line. But I'm going to tell you right now, uh, you know, there's a reason for everything, and I think they've made the right step now to try to correct it. And uh, I hope it works for everybody, no matter who they are. I really do, no matter who they are. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up. Uh, yeah, Coach, it was great to talk to you again about some very interesting topics, of course, because it's uh, conference realignment. Um, I kind of feel like we're going to you know, have a lull for a, a bit again, and then all of a sudden a whole bunch of stuff is going to happen. So we'll see how that goes. But for Coach Harvey Hyde, follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to the website, HarveyHyde.com. I am Ryan Abraham, and together we are – part of the Peristyle Podcast team. Hope you've enjoyed this show and all the shows we've been producing. And we you may will have talk noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's time. is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.